So please feel free to stand in unity as the body of Christ.
we have no need to be ashamed. We are good enough that you created us for a purpose. You created us for a purpose, and you will give us all that we need to do that. That you have forgiven us. Help us, Lord, to come before you knowing that we're your kids and there's nothing more than you want than to be with us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat.
service, even if it's secondhand. Um, I think that if there's anything kind of this time away, right, this shutdown season has taught us is that Sunday morning is sacred, and um, we don't want to discredit our time and service this morning. Um, but sometimes little people get restless, and we want to provide an option if parents want to take their little kids. We're recommending like preschool, infant-aged, if grade schoolers need a break too, whatever, that's fine. We're, we're gray. Um, but it's up the hall and to the right, there's uh, the kids area. And it's the first door on the left. And we are live streaming in there so you could still partake in service. And we just ask that you supervise your kids and you practice social distancing. There's a window open in there. So you've got some ventilation. It's clean and safe. There's plenty of Clorox wipes for everybody. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's an option. If your little person needs a break, you're welcome to go in and out of that room. Um, but also, your kids are more than welcome in here, too, and we'll still do prizes and main service and stuff. So, all right. Have a good day. We didn't do a sound check. There we go. All right. Yes, this is a disturbing amount of me this morning. It was not planned this way. Uh, you guys see me at the end, too. So I guess you'll just have to deal with that. Uh, hi, I'm Ryan. If, if you don't know who I am, most of you guys do. Um, so uh, you get to hear from me today. I'm going to start off um, before I pray with a, a warning. There is a gratuitous amount of pop culture reference. Uh, in my sermon, as always, uh, and I probably might spoil some some movies or TV shows that you guys should have watched already. So, just getting that uh, out in the open, um, I apologize. Uh, so, and, and if you're like me or Dusty and you're a nerd, then it's probably right up your alley. So, um, somehow it works because basically those are the only references that we make, and yet people still come and are still part of our family. So, uh, so let's go ahead and pray, and we'll jump into it. Um, God, I just ask that uh, as I speak and try to share what I think you've given me, that you would uh, fill it with your, with your power, with your presence. I pray that everything that is true and right um, in your heart will shine and stick with us. And anything that is not or is just silly and not really worth time, I pray those things would fall away. Uh, as always, this is um, an imperfect vessel trying to, to present you, God, as best as I can. So um, I pray you bless it, and I pray that nobody leaves here today without encountering you either through worship or through, th through this or uh, through, through something, God. I just pray that we would leave um, closer to you. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, so, just setting the scene, I'm, I'm picking up where Dusty left off in John 18, uh, 1 through 14. So, if you want to read along to make sure I'm not making stuff up, you can. John 18, 1 through 14. Um, but to set the scene, um, right before this, 
Jesus has just had the Last Supper uh, with the disciples, and um, he's kind of given like his, his final address, right? He's told them all about um, uh, kind of he's going away, this is what it's going to be like, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, um, he, Judas has gone out to betray him, he's somewhere, um, and and Jesus kind of tells his disciples, like, this is it. And, and even more than that, he, he pulls them closer than ever. He, he explains that, like I am in the Father, you guys are in me. Like, he really just solidifies this is, in the way I think of it, like, on your deathbed, which is quite literal, is kind of what you want to tell your family or your people. And so that's kind of where we're at. Um, and uh, going with that, the, the sermon today is uh, called... Uh, round one, fight, uh, John 18, 1 through 14. Uh, if, I said there were going to be a lot of references. If you haven't watched Cobra Kai, uh, you should. Um, all right, let's get into the actual Bible. Uh, when Jesus had finished praying, he left with his disciples. They co- crossed the Kidron Valley, and on the other side there was a garden. Jesus and his disciples went into it. Judas knew the place. He was going to hand Jesus over to his enemies. Jesus had often met in that place with his disciples. Uh, So first off, what's kind of interesting about about, uh, this is that John forgoes a lot of the emotional kind of um, inner workings that the other Gospels do. And the other Gospels we hear in the, this, uh, we call it the Garden of Gethsemane. Maybe you've heard that um, before. We get a, a look at Jesus's emotional state. Um, it, it talks about him going and praying multiple times. Uh, it talks about Jesus sweating so much, it's almost like blood. Like he, This is a, a moment in Jesus's um, life ministry before he's going to the cross, where he is full of anguish. This is where one of the places where we see Jesus's humanity, like, like clearly. Um, and there's this kind of funny, kind of sad encounter where he goes away to pray and he comes back, and the disciples have fallen asleep. They're supposed to be watching. And he's like, "What? What the heck? Like, you're supposed to pray. You're supposed to be." And then he goes away and he comes back and they're asleep again. It happens like three times. Um, and even like the personal betrayal of Judas, which was one of his disciples, um, you know, he betrays him with a kiss. These are all Christian things that a lot of us know. John forgoes all of us. He doesn't even talk about the inner workings or the inner like turmoil of Jesus. Uh, instead, he kind of sets up this, almost this confrontation. That's why I called it round one, fight. It's like this fight scene that Jesus, it's, it's been working towards, and it's Jesus um, versus Satan. In fact, I had that there. That's a, that's a picture of the Garden of Gethsemane. I was just, uh, just as a, a caveat, that's a current picture. There are a few gardens of Gethsemane, so no one knows the exact right one, but they're all right around each other. Um, but the scene that John lays out in front of us is not showing us this turmoil so much. It's like, this has been coming, this has been a long time coming, and this is it where we're going to see a fight, a showdown between Jesus and Satan. Um, Judas, who was one of the 12 disciples, uh, earlier in John, um, Jesus said, hey, one of, one of you guys are going to betray me, and everybody's like, what? And he's like, yeah, and, and he, he hands bread to Judas. It's in John 13, and it says, as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. And so whether or not this is literally like a 
possession level, like Satan's now in control of his body, or if it's simply that Judas is now like he's all in going to the dark side and he's aligned with Satan. That is up for debate. But what is, what is true, though, or what is obvious is that Judas is now Satan's agent, basically. He is, he is enacting the, the Satan side of the fight, right? He's the one that's going to go and bring um, the officials and the military. Um, in fact, the word Satan itself uh, really means like an accuser or an adversary. It, it has like this fight language. Um, and Judas very much is, he's bringing accusation against Jesus. And um, I think John is setting up this, this what I would call a fight scene. Um, so let's keep going with it. So Judas came to the garden. He was guiding a group of soldiers and some officials. The chief priests and Pharisees had sent them. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Feels a little bit like Frankenstein, right? Like people with pitchforks and, and torches. Kind of, but not really. What's, what really is happening here, these are like authorized official people. This isn't so much like a riot coming to get Jesus because this would be more like we have a warrant for your arrest. We're coming uh, to, to arrest you. You need to come with us. And, and all, for all intents and purposes, societally, church leadership-wise, these people have the power and the authority to arrest Jesus. They, they are the ones with the power and the authority. Um, it's, it's not mob rule, not mob mentality. These, these, are, these would be like cops and church leaders going and saying, you know what, like, you're done. You're coming with us. I think this is really important to keep in mind, that these guys have the official power and authority. Um, and so they, they have a right to come and arrest Jesus because they're being sent by the officials, right? By the people that are in power. Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him, so he went out and asked them, who do you want? So a couple of things here. I love, personally, I love that God is funny. I, I really value humor. And when you read, if you read the Gospels enough, you see places where Jesus just, he like messes with people, right? He says things that are funny. And so it's really tempting for me personally to read this and he's like, yeah, who do you want? Who do you want? Like he's messing with them. But then if we look at the other Gospels, Jesus probably isn't in a joking mood right now. Jesus is like literally saddened to like, like just completely depressed. He, he knows that this means he is going to die on the cross. He knows that he's going to uh, experience torture. He knows that he's going to be leaving his friends. So as much as I, Ryan, want to think of this as like kind of a little pithy thing, I, I don't know if that's really what Jesus is doing. He's, he's more like playing out the role. He, know, he knows what's going on, right? Um, he, it's more like he's feigning compu- confusion, um, to like kind of play out this, this fight scene. I'm going to use that term a lot, fight scene. Um, but he already knows how it's going to play out. He already knows what's going to happen. Um, and so they say, he says, who do you want? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, and he says, I am he. Judas, who was going to hand Jesus over, was standing there with them. And when Jesus said, I am he, three words, or I am, or he's me, or just a few words, they moved back, and then they fell to the ground. In a very literal way, this is not 
This is not a fight between Jesus and Judas. It's not a fight between Jesus and the officials. This is really a showdown, like I said before, between Jesus and Satan, who is using humans, right, as kind of his pawns. Um, but what's, what's interesting is it really isn't even a fight. It's, it's not actually, even though they think they're going to come and they're going to arrest Jesus and they're, they're going to win, basically, it's not really that. And I think John points this out. Like, he says, hey, that's me. And they like, oh my gosh, and they fall over. Even though they are the official power and authority, um, Jesus, just by his presence, demonstrates his power and his authority. Um, and so even, it's almost like this, this play fight. I don't know if, if you're a parent and you've, like, wrestled with your kids uh, and you let them beat you. And it's like, yeah, I, well, actually, I can't, it only goes for so long, and then I have to lay the smack down. So eventually I get tired, and I, I end up taking them out. So, um, but it's kind of like that. Like, Jesus knows what's happening. He knows that this is, like, almost like a, a show of, okay, it's you versus me. But in actuality, he is the Son of God. All he has to say is his name, and they fall down. Um, I think this is a really big point of what John's doing here. He's pointing out, yes, this is a showdown. It's been coming since the beginning of creation, right? Um, but it's really no contest. Um, Jesus is willing to engage in, in it as a contest, willing to, to play the role that God has given him. Um, but he really is the one with authority. I mean, this is especially obvious when he says, again, who do you want? And, and they're like, Jesus of Nazareth. It's just obvious that they, they, are, they don't get it. They don't, I mean, like, if you're like, I'm going to get this guy— He's, I mean, the whole thing was, right, he's a, they thought he was a rebellious false prophet, or he was this demonically powered deceiver. He was leading people astray, and they come, we need to shut this down, and when they come to do so, his power is yet again demonstrated to them, like, you're messing with something that's real, like, there's something divine here. Um, I mean, they come in the name of God and country, theirs is the legitimate power and authority, yeah, Jesus simply tells them his name, uh, and it strips away any pretense. I mean, in that moment, it has to be obvious to them that, like, uh, like we're, we're outnumbered. Um, so it almost makes it kind of ludicrous, because they're just like, uh, yeah, we're here to arrest Jesus. They, so, I mean, one thing can be said. Either, either they're super brave or they're super stupid, but they don't, they don't back down, right? They keep going through with it. Um, so... Jesus answered, I told you I am he. If you're looking for me, then let these men go. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken would come true. He had said, I have not lost anyone God has given me. Um, it's a little bit like, again, I, coming back to like a, a hero, right? He's like, the fight's with me. Let these innocents go. I mean, he's, he's basically excusing his uh, disciples from having to be in this because really this is between him again and Satan. Um, and then my favorite part of this, this event. Simon Peter had a sword and pulled it out. He struck the high priest's slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. At least he gets the honor of his being named in the gospel. Uh, and what does Jesus do? Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shouldn't I drink the cup of suffering the Father has given me? 
Poor Peter, right? He, he gets put in his place constantly. There was earlier in the Gospels where uh, Jesus had said, you know, I'm going to die. And Peter's like, uh, no, you're not. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. He like literally like shuts that down. Uh, and so poor Peter, this is another time, right? Jesus is in trouble and all he wants to do is pull out his sword and cut some ears off and stop, stop this. And Jesus is like, knock it off. This is not what, what we're about. This is not what I'm doing. I mean, Jesus says, shouldn't I drink the cup of suffering the Father has given me? Um, I don't know if you have seen this little dude before. Uh, don't spoil it. I was, I was going to spoil it. Uh, no, that's... If you haven't seen The Mandalorian, shame on you. But uh, if you, at least you know who Baby Yoda is, right? If you, if you don't, then you're very holy and you, you keep to yourself. But this is Baby Yoda. Yes, his name is Grogu, which is kind of a spoiler. I told you, you should have watched it. Um, but in a way, Peter is, he's pulling a Baby Yoda here. There's a specific episode where um, The Mandalorian, who's... Uh, kind of his dad figure, is arm wrestling Cara Dune, rest in peace. Uh, and it's a friendly wager. It's a competition. Um, but Baby Yoda doesn't get that. He sees that the Mandalorian is going to lose because Cara is like, like insanely ripped and strong. And so what he does is he, uh, he steps in. And he force chokes her. And if you don't know what that is, Darth Vader, right? Use the force, you choke somebody. So this little baby chokes Kara um, because he thinks that the Mandalorian is in trouble when really that's not what is happening at all. And a little bit, this is kind of like what Peter's doing, right? right? He sees that Jesus is in trouble. Things are playing out basically how Jesus said they were supposed to play out. And he just can't handle it. And so he pulls out his sword I like to think of Katana, but it probably looked a little shorter, like Sting from The Hobbit. Uh, and he cuts this guy's ear off because he just can't handle it. He, it the stakes are too real, right? Um, and Jesus rebukes Peter because Peter doesn't get what's going on. Just like Baby Yoda, it's like there's a fight. There are real repercussions. Jesus is going to die. Mandalorian is going to lose at an arm wrestling contest. I have to do something. I have to stop this. Um, and Jesus rebukes him. Um, I mean, the interesting thing is Jesus, he intends to throw this fight. He knows that that's what God the Father has asked him to do. There's a fight. You're going to go. They're going to come arrest you. You're going to say, I am he. They're going to fall down. They're still going to push through with it. They're going to say, no, come with us. And you're going to have to choose, Jesus, to let them take you away. Let them arrest you. And, and more than that, Jesus knows that the end result of this is his death on the cross, right? Jesus knows what's going to happen. It says that. Um, and Peter just can't handle that truth. He, he has to step in and do something about it. Um, but Jesus is being obedient to his father. He is laying down his power and rights and authority. Uh, for some reason, uh, I don't know why John doesn't say this part, because it's like the best part. Uh, in one of the other Gospels, Jesus actually heals the poor guy's ear, which is like the coolest, right? Like he's, not only is he like, Peter, knock it off. That's not what we're doing about it. He's like, he like undoes the damage and heals him. I don't know why John doesn't mention that because it's so cool. Uh, but Jesus even heals the guy's ear. That, that is not what we're about, Peter. Um, 
And I think there's some personal application for us here. Um, I think there's um, actually a bit in this, this, uh, this passage, but I think this is the first place where at least I can really start applying things. Uh, I'm going to move on so Yoda's not looking at you. Um, I think that we can relate to Peter often, right? Uh, I mean, he, he gets a bad rap. People say doubting Thomas and all that, but like Peter like denies Jesus. Jesus puts him in this place a lot. Um, but I think we, pull, we can pull a Peter uh, pretty easily. I mean, as, as followers of Jesus, we, we are privy to things, to truths about, about life, about God. We know that Jesus tells us very explicitly, don't worry about tomorrow, right? Uh, be kind, um, be righteous. Like, we, we know the plot. We, we even know, like, how ultimately, in, in an ambiguous sort of way, we don't know all the details. We know how it's all going to end, right? And Peter was in the same boat. Jesus had literally told him, this is happening. This is what's going to happen. Peter, Peter knew that what was going to happen. And yet he lost his head um, when things started getting real. Uh, you and me, we can, like I said, we can be such Peters. Don't, don't we fight when it gets real, when things get scary, when things get uncertain. I mean, if I'm being honest, I start fighting or losing my head when I'm just a little annoyed, right? Or a little uncomfortable, let alone if there's like real threat. Um, you know, if someone insults me, how dare they? You disagree with me. You don't take me seriously. Like, I, I lose my head. I forget who I am. Uh, but I think what Jesus shows us here and what he's telling Peter is that God has different priorities than us. Um, when the going gets tough, uh, what comes out on top, what, what takes precedence are things like obedience to what God has called us to, uh, to his will be done. And, you know, Jesus earlier, it doesn't show it in John, when he was praying, uh, he wasn't just like, God, give me the strength to die well. He was literally saying, God, if it's at all possible, could we change the plan but your will be done, right? If it's possible, I would love to not have to go through with this, but your will be done. And so I think Jesus shows us that obedience and ultimately God's will be done, uh, faith and prayer, those, those are the ways that we do battle. Um, I mean, this plan, this confrontation between him and Judas you know, through the, the dudes, if you can even really call it a confrontation because Jesus was really the one in control. This was all God's plan, and that involved hardship. That involved humiliation. That involved death, ultimately, for Jesus. Thank God that we're not all called to that same cross that Jesus is called to, but that doesn't mean that we get out of hardship and suffering either. In fact, that's quite clear throughout the Gospels that that's part of Part of following Jesus. Um, I think as American Christians, one of the things that we are the most out of touch with is like true persecution. I mean, you hear stories of like martyrdom and persecution around the world. And as American Christians, like we have no grasp of that. Like basically somebody makes fun of us, or not even me, makes fun of Jesus. You know, people are like, what the heck? You know, they, and then they social media it up or whatever. We just have 
we, we don't like to be dis- uncomfortable, including persecution, but that, that has always been part of the deal to follow Christ, that it will, it will be hard at times. And Jesus, I think, models that for us in this passage, and he also rebukes Peter, and I would say even us in a little bit, when we think we lose our head and, and we kind of go beyond what he's called us to, to try to take matters into our own hands. Um, Sorry, I'm kind of reading my notes here. I don't want to forget this. But um, I just, this idea of like hard circumstances will push us to the brink of letting go of our identities, right? We are children of God. We are called to be like God. We are called to um, embody his spirit. And yet when the going gets tough, we often set down our identities, even just for a moment, right? Uh, Like last night, we were... We were watching Endgame. I've been trying to get Christy to watch all the Marvel movies. And yeah, I'm going to spoil her something, so deal with it. Uh, but it is so satisfying when Captain America picks up Thor's hammer and beats the, the crud out of Thanos. It is so satisfying in a human way, right? Like, it is justice. It is good over evil. Um, I mean, you can apply that to any story, right? There is something in us that wants to see good over evil, and that is God-breathed. And in the end, God will... Un, you know, dominate evil, but in the here and the now and, and living out life with humans, because it's not just I'm fighting Satan. Uh, I'm not coming up against just the powers of darkness. There's also people in between, right? It's not like I'm duking it out with the devil. Often this person over here is really bugging me, and maybe there's demonic influence, or maybe it's just human, but often we, we can only see each other, and our fights end up being against each other. We cut off people's ears, uh, versus really seeing um, the big picture. And so there, there is something about wanting to see justice. Uh, you know, there's something about wanting to protect our friends and our families, um, even defending the faith, right? Like, you talk bad about Jesus, and I will, I will let you have it, right? That there's something about worry and fear when things are just hard, that we will set down who we truly are to fight or to try to make things work in our way. Um, But our character is not something to be set aside, even for a moment. You know, you think of like those those tropes where there's a a warrior that is retired and he has to come out of retirement one last time to to smite everybody. Uh, He, he, you know, and it's like one last fight, but it's a righteous fight. I don't think we get that that benefit or that, um, what's the word? Uh, I can't think of the word, but we don't get to do that. We don't get to say, you know, in this moment, I'm going to set aside Christ-likeness. I'm going to set aside holiness. I'm going to set aside kindness and mercy because this person needs to be put in their place. Um, God called Jesus and us to obedience in the face of hardship, to trust when all seems lost, for prayer, uh, to pray for strength, not for swords, for hacking off ears. Um, so we'll keep going here. Then the group of soldiers, uh, their commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus, and they tied him up. This is pretty silly. I, I've been thinking of the word ludicrous lately. I like that word, ludicrous. I heard a friend recently say incredulous, which is also a really good word. I'm going to try to fit into my vocab. But this is ludicrous, right? They arrest him. They tie him up. Like, how... How humiliating for Jesus. Like, he could just like this, and they, 
he could say his name again, they could fall down. Uh, and he's like, all right, <laughs> like tie me up. And, and what we know from the rest of the Gospels, like the officials and the soldiers, they mocked Jesus. It wasn't like they're just, oh, sorry, sir, are you comfortable? I'm sure they're, they're thinking they just won the fight. Um, and Jesus is literally enduring this. He, he is allowing himself to be bound. He's playing the part that God has asked him to play. Um, he's allowing Satan to win the battle. Uh, so, but really, like, they can only lay a finger on Jesus because of his self-restraint and obedience. And I think in this moment, Jesus shows another really important, applicable thing, um, more about his character and about God's character. Jesus shows us that God is merciful. Um, and Everybody that's a Christian would say, no, duh, God is merciful. But let me, let me define this a little bit, because I think human mercy, our idea of mercy, and God's mercy shown in the character of Jesus uh, aren't exactly the same, or they don't always line up. I mean, I'm a teacher. I'm a parent. Um, sometimes you have mercy on children in your vicinity, or, or maybe you're not a teacher or a parent, but you have mercy on other people. You let things go. Um, I'm going to be honest, as a teacher, sometimes I'm just like, there's a kid that's being an idiot. I'm like, please stop. And you just kind of like, let it go. It's not because I'm just so good-hearted. It's because I don't want to fight with this <laughs> dumb kid. I don't want to, it's, it's serving me as much as this kid to like, have mercy and let them off, right? Or even, even in the most altruistic example, where someone is just good-hearted and they let they pardon somebody. I mean, I've been let off of, uh, from a ticket from a cop once. Uh, and it was the, probably the time where I deserved it the most. I was like driving 20 miles over the hour, or, or, or 20 uh, uh, miles per hour over the speed limits. And the cop was really nice. And he's like, hey, hey, don't, don't do that anymore. You know, you should slow down. Uh, this was like my first being pulled over ever, ever since then. I've always gotten a ticket. Um, I thought I would be cute enough to get out of it, but it never worked. Uh, anyway, uh, but if I, if I had, after that, the cop said, hey, man, don't be dumb. Slow down. And I, and I said, up yours. <laughs> you can guarantee that I would have received a ticket then, right? Like our mercy, our human mercy, kind of there's an expectation that it will be acknowledged or appreciated. Um, if... If, someone, if I extend mercy to somebody and they spit in my face, it, it only goes so far, right? But that's not the kind of mercy that Jesus shows here or even the kind that he talks about elsewhere in the Gospels. Um, there, no, Grogu. Uh, in Matthew 5, uh, Jesus says, You've heard that it was said, an eye must be put out for an eye. A tooth must be knocked out for a tooth. But here's what I tell you. Do not fight against an evil person. Suppose someone slaps you on your right cheek. Turn your other cheek to them also. Suppose someone takes you to court to get your shirt. Let them have your coat also. Suppose someone faces you down, forces you to go one mile. Go two miles with them. Give to the one who asks you for something. Don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow something from you. You have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But here is what I tell you. Love your enemies. Pray for those who hurt you. 
Then you will be children of your Father who is in heaven. He causes his sun to shine on evil people and good people. He sends rain on those who do right and those who don't. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Even the tax collectors do that. It's almost tax season, right? If you greet only your own people, what more are you doing than others? Even people who are ungodly do that. So be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Jesus is is subversive in so many ways, and yet again, his mercy is not dependent on like how the person responds. He doesn't say be merciful to your friends. He says be merciful to evil people, to people who suck and do bad things to you. If they try to take control of you or manipulate you, and I know that there's wisdom and in real real life this would you'd have to use discernment, but he's saying you don't you don't return, you don't break their tooth out if they break your tooth out. You you turn the other cheek. God's mercy is not not like our mercy. Um, but to be fair, there is a place uh, where Jesus does talk about God taking back his mercy. So I thought I should also be fair and represent that. Also in Matthew 18, Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Good number. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to collect all the money his servants owed him. As the king began to do it, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Listen to that number, 10,000 bags of gold. Insane. The man was not able to pay. So his master gave an order. The man, his wife, and children, and all he owed had to be sold uh, sold to pay back what he owed. Then the servant fell on his knees in front of him. Give me time, he begged. I'll pay everything back. His master felt sorry for him. He forgave him what he owed and let him go. He forgave 10,000 bags of gold. That's insane. But then the servant went out and found one other servant who owed him 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he said. The other servant fell to his knees. Give me time, he begged him. I'll pay it back. But the first servant refused. Instead, he went and had the man thrown into prison. The man would be held there until he could pay back what he owed. The other servants saw what had happened and were very angry. They went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the first servant in. You evil servant, he said. I forgave all that you owed me because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on the other servant, just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers. He would be punished until he paid back everything he owed. This is how my Father in heaven will treat each of you, unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. This, is a, this can be a pretty hard, maybe a little bit scary parable. Um, But God, I think really the point, sorry, is God is lavish with his mercy and his forgiveness. He doesn't hold our mistakes, our sins, our constant failings against us. But what does seem to gall him is our refusal to extend that same kind of mercy to each other. Um, I think that this is really clear. that God values mercy quite highly.
There we go. I was on a roll too. So good. Uh, all right. Uh, I was saying we're saved by grace. How dare we be graceless to our brothers and sisters? Um, I mean, if this parable is, shows anything, God takes mercy very, very seriously. He is serious about giving it, and he's serious about us giving it as well. Uh, so this is the last little bit of our actual passage today. Uh, so they tied him. They arrested him. Well, Jesus let them tie him. He let them arrest him. And they brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest at that time. Caiaphas had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. And this was earlier in the Gospels. Um, but basically, this is a picture of them, handsome fellows. Uh, I don't know if that's actually what they looked like, but it's a rendering. Uh, they are actually really interesting if you, if you kind of study these guys out a bit. Um, they're the high priests, right? They're kind of like, uh, like, I don't know, Pope-level leaders uh, of the Jewish church there. Um, but they were appointed by Rome. So they are spiritual leaders, but they're also like politically appointed. And it's this mix of, of the holy and Rome, secular culture. Um, and Caiaphas was the guy that had said like, dang, this Jesus, he's doing too many miracles. He's just too charismatic. Yeah, you know, too many people are getting healed. Too many people are getting right with God. He will... He'll convince everybody to follow him. And he said, yeah, it would be better that we just kill him because, you know, even though very unfortunate that we killed him, uh, it's better for one guy to die and save, save the world. Now, he meant it that, like, we need to kill him so that people don't follow him and, and be led astray from, from the true faith, which, again, is like this weird politically mixed kind of thing um, that isn't really aligned with the heart of God. He meant it that way, but what's ironic is, is he was right. Um, he was right. It, it was best for one person, Jesus Christ, to die for many. And so it was almost like this ironic prophecy that he made. Um, so I think I'm going to sum it up here, if that's there. Oh, yep, I do have a so what. I was told whenever you teach, you always have to have a so what. So here's my so what. So, um, I think the so what is that Jesus, Jesus wins. Um, that the fight between Satan and Jesus, between light and dark, good and evil, Jesus, good wins. Um, but, but we're called to fight like Jesus. And that doesn't necessarily mean fight like the world would have us fight. It doesn't mean fight how my emotions tell me to fight in the moment. Jesus, you know, he, he shows when they're coming, he tells his disciples, pray, right? Seek God. Ask, ask even, God, change my circumstances. And if you don't, your will be done. Um, and also, we need to hold on to that, that God has an insane amount of mercy, and he calls us to, to as well. Um, so... I felt like I was supposed to offer or like lead us to a prayer before we do worship, um, specifically about um, discovering Jesus for the first time or rediscovering Jesus um, if you've been distant or even just like in the last week, you know, you just need a tune-up. Um, I, I don't know what from this passage each of us needs. Um, 
I don't know if you need to hear that Jesus wins and that you're on the winning side aligning with Christ. Um, maybe that resonates with somebody. Maybe you need to hear that God is mercy and he like doesn't want to smite you. Maybe you like are like me. You need to hear that God wants you to have mercy um, more often. So whatever, whatever you feel you need to hear, uh, I just want to pray into that. So if you guys, I don't do this often, but if we could just maybe bow our heads and I'll lead us in a prayer and, um, and then we'll do a little more worship. That's cool. Jesus, I pray that First off, Holy Spirit, I just invite your presence and, and ask that you would move on our hearts. And pray that anything that, that we were supposed to hear today, um, whatever way it is that you, you're touching people's hearts, I just pray for more, Holy Spirit. Jesus, help us to remember who you are. Remember that we are yours and we're to be like you. And so, if there's someone here that doesn't know Jesus um, or you've never really decided that that's like for you, um, I just encourage you, if, if that's something you want to do right now, um, all you have to do is just say, God, I'm yours. So God, if there's anybody here in that place, I pray that you would just fill them with your presence that they would know how much you love them, that your mercy is complete. For I know most of the people here, so God, for those of us that need a new touch from you, um, maybe a long, it's long overdue, maybe it's just in the last few days, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that your will be done. As we finish the service, God, I pray that, again, that each person here would encounter you and um, it would not leave uh, untouched, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to do a couple more songs to end. sharing um, kind of the lead into what he was talking about and shared how when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he went to pray and he said to his disciples, stay awake, stay awake and pray for me while I'm praying. And they fell asleep. They fell asleep twice. And um, I'm doing uh, the devotional, my utmost for his highest um, Oswald Chambers, and this week that came up, and um, Chambers just said, you know, when, after that happened, you know what Jesus did? Jesus said, come on, let's go. He didn't sit and blame and shame and tell them to whack themselves or anything like that. He, he recognized that humanness within them, and he said, come on, get up, let's go. And so if you're in that place that Ryan was just praying over of going, you know, maybe I've let things go for a bit. 
um, just remember, Jesus is just right there saying, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. We're going to do a couple more songs of worship. Feel free to stand up again, unless you prefer not to worship in the way that makes sense to you. But let's really um, just focus in on Jesus and all that he is.
I want to encourage you to stay in the same space. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord Jesus. One of the lines in this song was about trading your fear. I felt like God was speaking to me that there's um, someone, maybe more than one person, who you're you're afraid, you're scared of all the changes, all the things that are different, all the things that were once familiar have now become unfamiliar. uh, and specifically, um, and I don't know who this is for, but uh, in the area of um, relationship, and I think um, maybe t- maybe between a husband and wife, um, that there's something that changed, something that's different, and there's some fear that's part of that. Um, and then for for some other folks where it's more just everything has changed. The world has changed around you and you feel um, kind of adrift um, just because nothing is familiar right now for any of us, right? Um, and so there's just this kind of this fear and this angst and this anxiety and some worry that's um, all just kind of mushed together into this big ball of uncomfortableness Uh, and the Lord wants you to trade that in the Lord wants you to trade that in for his peace for his joy for the mercy that Ryan spoke about this morning for his goodness for God's love he wants you to trade all that in and exchange it. And God, kind of as I was kind of mulling this over in my head, God gave me this picture. And it was this little kid and um, coming up to the counter of like the store and they wanted to buy like this best robot which is probably like I was seeing myself because I would be buying the robot but like this best robot behind the counter and they walk up to the counter and this I saw this little kid like push a dime on the counter and say I want to buy that robot and the person behind the counter who in this picture that I had in my head was God took down this robot this big super cool toy and handed it to the kid and took the dime and said, yep, that's enough. That's just the right amount. That's just what I wanted. That dime that you gave me, that dime that you gave me is enough. And that God, all he wants from you is what you have. He wants what you have to give. Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, 
Father God. Lord, I can sense you. I, um, I feel you here with us in this moment. So Lord, for those who those things were for, God, Jesus, I ask, would you rest on them right now? And Lord, any of those chains, any of those hooks, any of those barriers, any of those bindings that might be on them right now, Lord God, that are keeping them from, from receiving what it is you have from them for them in this moment, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I ask that you break those. Lord, I ask for freedom from any captivity of fear, of worry, of anxiety. Lord, for your kids. For your kids, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, Dave and Bob, could I get you guys to, to come up front? Um, Aaron, you got something too? Sweet. Um, I'm going to let Aaron share what he has. If you guys, if anybody needs prayer from some of what God was showing me, or if Aaron's going to share something and and God uh, is speaking something to you. Can you come talk to these two amazing gentlemen up here, and they will uh, they'll pray for you. Good morning, guys. Um, I just had a picture um, a few minutes ago when we were he was speaking or we were praying um, of a pretty clear picture of like a grapevine and. I don't know for, about you guys, but for me, I've, I've had some pruning back of some things over the last year. So um, the picture that I got was there's parts of a vine that had been pruned back and there wasn't much growing on it. And then there was some other grape clusters that were um, pretty shriveled and um, some were actually on the ground and were dying. And then uh, there were some other ones that were attached, but they needed to be like pruned back or something. So I don't know if that speaks to any of you, but um, to me, it was it was kind of signifying, you know, either we need to be a part of the vine, Jesus, in order to thrive. Apart from Him, we can't do anything. Um, and part of that's the body too, the church. Um, so that's one piece of it. The other part is we need to be watered, right? So we need regular watering in order to, to thrive. And then the pruning part, like we live in Yakima, so there's lots of pruning that goes on this time of year. <laughs> and the potential for any, any vine is there for lots of fruit, especially once it's pruned back and it's healthy. So even though there might not be a lot of really good stuff or fruit that you see right now there's that there's that potential and I think God sometimes prunes things back in our life so that we can have more fruit share more fruit so those, those are the thoughts that I had um, does that speak to anybody okay 
So I just encourage you, for if you know things that Dusty said or anything um, from that picture that I had, you guys want prayer, please come up or, or raise your hand even where you are.